The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Para-X, its affiliates, or its sponsors. The following program contains opinions expressed by The Dead Zone. If you find this broadcast offensive, lighten up, candy ass. What? Oh my gosh. It's a radio show. Hell yeah! That's what I'm talking about. Initialize sequence now. We're now in the approach phase. Everything looking good. WDZRDB Worldwide Welcome to the Dead Zone Paranormal Radio Show Hey, thanks for tuning in September 13th, Dead Zone Paranormal Radio Show Our hearts and prayers go out to everyone in California and the surrounding area, my god can it get any worse? I, I'm, I'm afraid to, to even say that. Coming up tonight, we've got Keith Evans. He's a retired forensic scientist. He's an acting paranormal investigator and an author of the book, The Hayes House. Ghost are people too. Ghost are people too. You hear me say that on the show all the time. I do believe that. Oh, hey, as of now, you know, we talked to Jason Snyder uh, a couple of shows back about non-con that's going to be held this month. I think it's the 26th or 27th. You have to check the website out for that. Um, go to Jason Snyder's Facebook page, actually, and you get all the information there. So it looks like it's going to happen. We're not going to be able to attend. There's just no way we can can manage it at this point. But if you're close, I suggest you go. And remember, it's all free. So why not, right? Hey, before we get to Jeff, let's do a real quick one. This one's Black Tractors, just like Fayrake. It's a metal show, too, after all, right? Crank it. Oh, my God. Never quite warm, right away. 
Are you kidding me? Did I say Jeff? I'm losing it, people. Doing this by yourself during this pandemic isn't a whole lot of fun. Well, I guess I'm missing our old buddy Jeff Headley from the Ames team, Mountain Monsters, and the rest of the crew as well. You know that. I love those guys. I miss those guys. I miss everything. All the conventions and all the whatever. Damn pandemic is killing me. While I get my hamster back on its wheel, this is Scum of the Earth.
All right, let's get to the reason you tuned in tonight. Mr. Keith Evans, we're going to get him on the phone in just one moment. Bear with me, please. Yeah, it's ringing. Hello? Hey, I can barely hear you. Are you? Can you get close to the phone? There you go. Well, just barely. Yeah, if I could get you to get right on top of that phone, man. Okay, I'm on top. All right. Yeah, yeah. I need to. Yeah, need to amplify that sound there. It's not coming through very well. Can you hear me better now? Yes, I can hear you real good now. That's that's fine. That's fine. Well, Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, joining us this evening. Yes, thank for ha- thank you for having me. Absolutely, no problem, no problem whatsoever. Before we get to the book, I did have. Uh, I want to get a little bit of background on you. It says, uh, your bio says you were a former retired um, forensic investigator. Now, was that with law enforcement, or, or what was that all about? It was uh, um, DHS. Okay, elaborate. You, you've lost me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Department of Homeland Security. Okay, all right, okay. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about that, if you can. Well, I mainly uh, did uh, polarization of sugars for trade. Okay, that's completely not what I thought you were talking about or what it was about. Okay, I was, you know, I was more along the lines of law enforcement and that kind of thing. Well, in a way it is, but it's more like the lab that uh, tests samples. Okay. All right. And you did that for how many years? Uh, five years. Five years. Okay. Very cool. And you no longer do that, obviously, but you are still an active investigator and also an author. Um, yes, as far as paranormal. Yeah. Okay, well, does that training come in, in useful at, at all in that field? Yes, I think so. As far as documenting uh, evidence and uh, documenting everything, as far as photos, videos, mm-hmm. um, as tr- retracing your steps and trying to recreate the uh, same situation, uh, sometimes... You might hear a squeak on an old hardwood floor. Right. And some hardwood floors, there's a certain gap. So if you put weight in a certain area, oh, yeah. it'll make a almost like a person is screaming. Yeah. So if you <laughs> can recreate your steps and find out it's not paranormal, right. but you almost have to step in the same precise location right. because the uh, boards that are kind of like tongue and groove, yes. they kind of like wiggle a little bit if there's a little bit of space between them, and then it'll cause that sound. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, we all do. Yeah, that's that's part of what we all do, right? Debunking um, certain things, certain theories, or certain ideas that people have that's going on in their house, yeah. Well, that's very cool. Okay. Um, you do research on the homes that you, well, first of all, on the Hayes house. Of course, we know that. You've had to have done research on that, that you wrote a book about it. But are there others? Yes. Yes, I've done uh, research. I've been doing uh, paranormal research off and on in some way or another uh, ever since I was a child. Right. Uh, I'm somewhat of an empath, so as a child... I would always get uh, interested in a certain uh, old, uh, mainly farmhouses. Yes. And I'd want to stop and kind of explore them. And, you know, I always wanted to go inside and see what they look like. And right. uh, I was always drawn to the old abandoned farmhouses. Right. It seemed like where I lived at, a lot of farmers had to farm, you know, four or five little 
uh, farms to try to make ends meet in right. the 60s and the 70s. Like a sharecropper. So a lot of these homes, yeah. nobody was living there, so they just left them go. And I would always, I'd always feel like I was feeling that the owner wanted me to buy that house, fix it up, and save it. Right. It's like the owner was telling me his life story about how he he and his wife, you know, raised their family here, and this is where their kids graduated from high school, and this was the family business, and he didn't want to see the house, you know, just disappear. Right. But like I like like I like I said, you've done this many many times before, but you've only now have you written more than one book? Forgive me, I'm, no, I, I'm just so, one book so far. Just the one, the uh, the Hayes the Hayes House. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Yes, um, you said it started as a kid. What was your experience? I mean, was there any paranormal activity, or was or, or was it just like you were like you just said you were an empath, or you? you I'm, a, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, drag a. Uh, defining moment from your childhood that that veered you off towards the paranormal. You know what I mean? It was a combination of uh, all that. Uh, a lot of times, I was always interested in old homes, and I never really knew why. And I always wanted to see what they looked like on the inside. Right. And it was like I could feel the strong emotions. Some empaths can hear, uh, I guess you could say, ghosts or spirits or see them or hear them and see them okay. but mainly i feel the strong emotions that they had and i could i could always feel uh the strong emotions in uh like old antiques anything that someone had had and cherished and uh like there's an so attachment a lot of to times, it there's an attachment it made to me, it. yeah cheered me up to go to a antique shop even though i uh i never collected antiques i mainly collected like baseball cards and uh, coins and stuff like that. Right. That, yeah, we do that as well. I mean, we've we've got. I, I, I myself personally, I've gone to antique shops and and bought quite a few of the old uh, the old old style lanterns, those kind of things, you know. And I think if you purchase something that someone cherished, I think you actually have a guardian angel in that because then that ghost of spirit who loved that object when they were alive has a vested interest in making sure that you stay alive so you can continue to take care of that uh you know whether it be an old lantern that or item, whatever yeah. type of antique it is now don't you think that works in and in, in two different ways though i mean you could buy something you could bring something home that has something attached to it that you really don't want, right? Well, you see that on TV a lot, but I've never, I've never had anyone tell me anything about uh, having a negative attachment. Yeah. If anything, people love their old antiques. Uh, oh yeah. And, and back, that not everyone had a whole house full of antiques, but yeah. if they had one or two uh, old uh, antiques, like uh, heavy type chest of drawers that had. Uh, the old world type uh, a grain of wood they were very proud of that yeah. and I think they were very protective of that right. and that protection is not broken upon their death so I've only heard about the good things I'm not saying that there's not uh, bad situations that might be out there but so far I haven't run across that All right well good well that's good that's a good deal for you yeah 
uh, same thing. I agree with what you say, though. You know, along the lines of your train of thought. I mean, as far as like a Ouija board, you know, a Parker's Brothers game that was made for kids that people have now turned into an evil thing, and they don't want anything to do with it. Well, it's not the game; it's the person, right? Well, I I don't use Ouija boards. No, we don't I, either. No, I, I tried that once as a child. Yeah, and uh, my grandmother warned against it because apparently she was familiar with them, and I don't recommend that as a way to uh, communicate with uh, ghosts and spirits. Okay, uh, that I find I find that really interesting. You said your grandmother warned you against a Ouija board. Now, what exactly was that warning? What did she tell you? Because that falls right in line with what we see today. Now everyone says Ouija boards are, are evil, and you know I, you know I don't believe that. I'm sorry, but well, this this was what uh, uh, maybe 55 years ago. So yeah. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I know she was against it, uh, and I don't remember anything bad ever happening. But uh, she was against it. I just didn't feel comfortable uh, using it. Because um, I always felt like good ghosts, you can communicate with them just because they're in the area. Yeah. And a lot of times, the person has to be a sensitive. Uh, not everyone is going to pick up on a, a noise or see uh, a ghost or a spirit the All way right. some people who are more sensitive. Right. So you might have three people in the room, and only one person is going to hear or see the ghost. Because right. they have those abilities, and the other people don't. Right. Now, uh, was your grandmother a religious woman? Well, I think so. She was a Methodist. Okay. So, I mean, that might be part of it right there. I mean, she knew that, you know, don't mess around with that. This You shouldn't be doing this. Not because of any other reason, but your upbringing, your religion, right? Maybe. Well, I think she she was born in 1911, and right. uh, I think up until the 1920s, there was a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it, people doing like fortune telling yeah. and having seans. Oh, yeah. And a lot of that was kind of exposed as being fake. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, Houdini, you know, yeah, God rest he, his soul, yes. Show that. Absolutely, yes. And so I think she might have been, you know, she was born at a time where it wasn't very popular to, uh, you know, fool around or mess around with uh, the paranormal. In fact, most people thought it was just someone trying to defraud you out of your money. Exactly, and it was. I, I, I honestly believe that most of it was, I mean, and it still is today, you know. Yes, Okay, well, it, we agree on that, and yeah, thank you very much for saying that, because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the skeptic of our group. I wish they were all here. We, we all can't be together because of this pandemic, but whatever. Um, well, I do know that there are ghosts of spirits that are willing to help, and uh, I'm, I feel everyone does have a guardian angel. Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. At the same time, I never charge anyone to do any type of paranormal session. Okay. I try to get uh, written permission to either do a book, a movie, or a TV program. Because uh -huh. I would reach a lot more people with my uh, a good ghost uh, theories. Yes. Uh, you know, if I had a TV program, but yeah. I think in the USA, most people 
that are in the paranormal, like the horror movie side of it. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. They might be disappointed if they read one of my books because it, I don't particularly uh, find paranormal to be uh, anything to do with a horror movie. Right. I think if a ghost or spirit does communicate with you, it happens suddenly because you're not going to see them you know, walking up from three blocks away. Right. When it happens, it happens suddenly. But you can be uh, surprised by a car backfiring. That don't mean you have to run out of the house. Yeah. When you're <laughs> right. Yeah. I think if if uh, you have an experience and it's, it's if you can contain yourself, you should be grateful. You know what I mean? Well, I think the more one does paranormal research. Uh, they want communication. They want a ghost or spirit to respond to them. Absolutely. So when you want it, uh, even if you are surprised, you're not going to run out of the house. I think that's more Hollywood trying to make yes. a horror movie out that's, of it. That's theatrical, and then, th theatrics. And, yeah. yeah. The audience is more frightened by the person being frightened and running than the actual surprise of the noise. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, we, we, we've done investigations many, many times, and we've got some really good evidence, both uh, audio and video, but it wasn't anything that would make you, like you say, run out screaming, right? But it wouldn't, it wouldn't make good TV programming because it wouldn't make ratings because there's, you know, nothing like what you see today. You know what I mean? Yes. And, it, and and most paranormal investigators, it's kind of like being a, a emergency medical technician. A lot of people are afraid of blood, but emergency medical technician is so used to uh, situations where there's lots of blood right. that it don't affect them anymore. Right. And it's the same way with paranormal investigators. Right. If you've truly done it a lot, it's probably not going to, you're not going to have any type of a harsh response to it. No. I think anyone will flinch if they hear a loud noise, especially uh, oh, yeah. people who are veterans. Uh, but at the same time, they stand their ground and they continue to uh, complete their investigation and ask questions, and uh, you right. know they don't just leave. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the honest truth is, like I've said this before many, many, many times on this show, if you go on a paranormal investigation. You will be bored out of your mind for hours. Yes. You know, <laughs> but yes, that one little piece, and, that one little piece, will make it all worthwhile. And that's the reason why I don't put my. I usually try to do an hour-long investigation because most ghosts and spirits only have so much energy, and once you make contact with them, they might not have enough energy to communicate until maybe twenty-four hours. So you're going to get different ghosts, and those ghosts are going to change the conversation, and then people are going to think, well, if you've got a different conversation, you're not doing a good job. But yeah. I feel <laughs> it's just my theory that ghosts and spirits only have so much energy. Well, it's true. And once yes. they use it, then they have to either draw it from your batteries right. or maybe wait for time to pass to, to regain, regain enough energy energy to communicate with you or like like you see on tv and i you know i agree with this a little bit maybe a person in your group it may start draining energy from them and they start feeling ill or start feeling uneasy you know 
Well, usually I, I feel emotionally drained, uh, but I think it's because I try to uh, examine everything that's said, and I try to think, well, for instance, if I get the word kill, right. uh, I use the obelisk the before, obelisk. Yeah. I, I did for the Hayes house, yeah. but I use the obelisk 5B now because my obelisk uh, 4 got washed away in uh, the storm surge of Hurricane Michael. Oh my gosh. But mm. if you get the word kill, I'm always thinking, are they saying that they were killed? Uh, you know, were they murdered, or are right. they saying, you know, most people, at least what you see on TV, they're running out of the room saying, uh, it's going to kill me, or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, I get the word kill a good bit, and so far, I've never been hurt. Right. And I I don't necessarily think, if, if you're dealing with a person that lived 400 years ago, yeah. they may not even have learned how to read. Right. And they might be trying to tell you that they're dead. Right. And to them, uh, kill is the same as the word dead, meaning that they're not alive. Right. And that might be what they're trying to get across. Right. Now, so I'll... you have to go ahead. You have to realize that not everyone who's speaking to you is using the lingo that you might use in 2020. Right. See, that's 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 another one of my big pet peeves about the uh, newfangled all gadgets and everything that everyone uses nowadays. Like you know, we still, I still use the SB seven and eleven, that kind of thing. I mean, I understand it's just radio frequencies, you know, skipping, but the obvious, that's just basically a database of predetermined words for whatever reason however it works i don't know i don't claim to it just pop up right well to the best of my knowledge i was told that the ghosts or spirits can use their energy <laughs> to somehow get into the small obelisk 5b and choose words right and sometimes it's right on the money right. uh, i remember one time at the hayes house i was out on the front porch and i, I was so disappointed because uh there's like a, um, it's near a river in a bay where uh, uh, people take their uh, boats uh -huh. and they pull them behind noisy trucks on uh, trailers that rattle. Right. And it's just constant people going by with their boats on a trailer. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I was discussing, I said out loud, and I, I used the wrong name of the road because the Hayes House is on the corner of 4th Avenue and... Uh, well, D Avenue and 4th Street in Apalachicola, Florida, uh -huh. and I had called it something totally different. And right away, I got liar on the, <laughs> well, on the slide. Called you out, right? Okay. Yes. And, and I wasn't even asking a question. I was just frustrated. And instead of saying the right name of the road, I called it some other road. I don't know why. It was a Freudian slip. Excuse me. And, uh, when you get things like that, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens enough that you know that it's some type of intelligent uh, response. Right. Because it's just, and it, when it happens like that, it happens as soon as you get done speaking. And I knew as soon as I said out loud, because I was taping, I, I was using two uh, video camcorders because I was hoping to get a TV show, and I thought, well, saving the... Uh, wrong name of the road is not going to be good for TV. You know, <laughs> if I do get a TV show, right. so I knew I'd made a mistake at the word, and it sounded like a liar. And of course, 
what I like about the Albus 5B, my hearing's not that good from the Army, but mm -hmm. it, it gives you a at least the last three words that were said, it gives you a digital readout. Yes. And you can look at it. Right. And it said liar. So uh, <laughs> I like that about the Oblis 5. Right. I know with the SB7s, uh, that uh, constant uh, S-type sound that yeah. you hear while it's uh, searching, yeah. that just drives my ears. Oh, yes. My wife, my wife, my wife, Michelle, hates them. very uncomfortable. Michelle hates the SB7 and the SB11. She says it's too noisy. And it's unreliable, and I say, okay, well, it's just another piece in our set of equipment. To be honest, we only use for, for the longest time now. We've cut back. We've we've went back to 101. We even do a class on 101, bare bones. You don't need all all the fancy gadgets, but you know, toys are fun. You know, I admit it. But yeah, I mean, going back to what you said about. You making a mistake? Um, I just did that tonight on the show. I said we're talking. We're going to have our guests come out. I I said Jeff instead of Keith, and I'm like, oh my god, are you kidding me? There's so much going on in my mind. I can't keep my hamster on the wheel. But <laughs> yeah, I get it. Buddy. I do the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Let's get let's get to the uh, the book. The Hayes House Ghosts Are People Too, and everyone out there that listens to this show has heard me say that time and time again. Ghosts are just people just like you and me. If they were bad in real in, in life, they're bad in death. Same good and good and bad, good whatever. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. What made yes, you focus what made you focus on the Hayes House? Well, the Hayes House is a um, old Victorian home. It was built in 1908, and it had two families, the Buck family that lived there from 1908 to 1922 when Jeff Buck passed away, and it had the Hayes family that uh, moved in in 1945, and the last Hayes family member, Kathleen Hayes, moved out in 1996. And I like the fact that the first two families had stayed there close to 20 years. And of course, Kathleen had lived there about 55 years. And I know that if, if uh, at least two families had lived there for long periods of time, they had that bond with the house. Uh -huh. And I was going to uh, prove to myself that that bond um, allows a ghost of spirit to travel back and forth from heaven whenever they're needed to look after the house and make sure whoever purchases the house takes care of it and that the house is there for future generations right. i know some people think that ghosts are here because they're trapped and they didn't get into heaven or whatever but right. i don't believe that i think they can travel back and forth at the absolutely speed of light. our friend so scott our friend scotty rourke is of the same mind has that same opinion and i agree yes because i feel once we pass away all that's left is their soul and their soul is electromagnetic energy just like if you look at a uh e ecg of the brain where you see the electric electrical wave of the brain functioning properly or the ekg of the heart where you see the electrical wave of the heart functioning properly. Right. Uh, once we pass away, our biological body is gone, 
but our electromagnetic energy is our soul and that lives on right okay well so I pretty much proved my theory because I feel that there are members of both the Buck family and the Hayes family that come back and forth from heaven to look after the Hayes house okay and, one, uh, one of the questions that uh, you so graciously sent me because I've, I've been out of it for a while was um, what did it take on your part to win the trust of the spirits in that Hayes house? Well, I I let them know right up front how I plan to use uh, whatever data I get. And I explained to them all the pieces of equipment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how it how they can use it as a ghost or spirit to, you know, let me know they're there, like the Obelisk 5B. In this case, when I did the uh, Hayes House, it was the Obelisk 4. Right. And uh, the bell meter, and also explained to them about thermal imagers. Mm -hmm. uh, and they pretty much knew what they could do if they wanted me to see them. And I let them know that I want to use this uh, paranormal uh, data and information pictures and you know video footage for either a future book mm -hmm. tv program or movie right now i don't really have the control or the finances for a tv program or a movie unless i get help from someone who's already in the business right but i i did have enough money to at least have one book out so far right so i try to be up front with the ghost of spirits so they know that if they communicate with me, if they don't want it to be on TV or on a movie in the future or in a book, then don't don't communicate, don't say it, right. and then it won't be in the book or the movie or the TV program. Right. Now you you understand that, that you works. understand that that it's individual private production companies that that do that, right? They will. Well, they'll develop a program or, or something they want to make, just like the one that I'm on, and then they will pitch it to a network. And, right. and if it doesn't look like it's going to make ratings, you may as well just forget about it, right? Right. right. Well, I, I'm learning as I go. I've learned a lot from you right now, but I've uh, I've communicated with. Uh, individual type uh, production companies and mm -hmm. so far uh, no takers I think everyone wants to do something evil to try to get the the ratings horror movie uh, yes. Yes. fans right but I think there's a much uh, larger group of people that do believe in the guardian angel and they might be the silent type where they don't talk about it oh they're out there talked about it to me that uh, most people that have a Victorian home know that there's ghosts there and they know that they're no harm and they actually feel comfortable with them being there yes. and because of that I think that these production companies are shooting themselves in the foot somebody's got to be first to do it and believe me if they are a, a, a TV program about a positive paranormal or a good ghost or guardian angel ghost Right. It, there will be one on ABC, one on CBS, right. one on NBC. Right. They'll be on all the major networks plus cable. Right. Right. Unfortunately, though, I mean, ratings are the are the 
are the lifeblood. If you know, if the networks aren't making money, then they're going to move on. And you know that. Well, I don't think there's ever been a, a positive uh, guardian angel type uh, ghost uh, uh, TV program on, especially one that covers the history. I try to give the people as much history as possible. Uh, If possible, before I do the paranormal research, I try to go to the library and get as much history on the place that I'm uh, doing paranormal research. It's not always possible, but um, the more you know about the history, uh, the better questions you can ask. Like at the Hayes House, I had no idea the first time I did paranormal research there Mm -hmm. that when... uh, I didn't know at the time, but now I'm pretty sure it was Kathleen said the word bridge. Okay. And I thought she was talking about the Gory Bridge, which is a bridge on Highway 98, which is just uh, uh, about a half a block east from where the Hayes House is. Mm -hmm. And I thought she was talking about the physical bridge that you ride across, you know, a body of water on. Yeah. And she was talking about the card game bridge. Oh. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And I feel that when you don't understand what the ghost is actually saying because you're taking the wrong definition of the word, I think you just shut that ghost of spirit down. Right. And that's what I did with Kathleen. Right. And on the very first, I guess it's chapter one of the Hayes house, which is called the uh, the den room. Okay. And that's how the Hayes family used uh, that room. They use it as a den. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I pretty much shut Kathleen down when she was talking about the card game bridge, and I thought she was talking about the physical gory bridge. Oh, I see. Yeah, there were no actual. So, there were no murders at the Hayes house, right? It was a peace. No, it was a peaceful. I, I yes, it was a peaceful, yes, loving family. It, yes. Okay. Yeah. It was very family oriented until. Uh, Kathleen sold it in 1996, and then after that, it more or less became um, a combination of rental property uh, for vacationers and also uh, business offices and things like that. Right. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that happens, you know. That happens. Now, let's get back to the guardian angel thing. Now, I have an opinion on that. I don't think it's an angel that your guardian angel, I think, may, might be just maybe just a family member that has passed on that comes back when they can to try to guide you, try to help you, try to make you see things that you're missing. That and, make- and I agree with that. I just use the term guardian <coughs> angel not as a biblical or religious term, right. but as a anyone who helps you out is like a guardian angel you know if the lifeguard pulls you out of the water yeah that lifeguard is your guardian angel because they saved you from drowning right yeah i just want i want yeah i wanted to just ask you about that yeah i I wanted to ask you about that and clear that because that's you know that's that's the way i look at it but you know everyone has their own opinion so number one your favorite tool is the obvious right yes Number two, which I didn't ask yet, what was the most intense experience you've had at the Hayes House? Let me see. I would say in uh, 
the sunshine room. Okay. Which is the top front of the house on the uh, southwest side of the uh, house. I was doing a paranormal session in there, and I heard like a splat at the window. Okay. Sounded like someone took a bag and just flopped it against the window. So I quickly got up without my, uh, uh, the window was to my back. I got up without the uh, camcorder and looked out the window, and nobody's out there. There's, it, nobody threw a snowball or anything against the, a bird. the house. A, a bird didn't hit the window. Yeah. It doesn't snow. All right, a bird didn't anyway, fly into the window? What's that now? A bird didn't fly into the window. We have that happen quite often. Well, it's a possibility. Uh, I didn't see anything, and I got up and looked right away. Uh, it it sounded like it would have hit hard enough. It would have been laying there on the, uh, on the uh, roof yeah. if it fell down. There's like a, a roof over the... Uh, Wrap around porch, okay. Front porch right. on the first floor, and I didn't see anything. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, always remember when something like that happens, and your camcorder is not uh, facing towards the window. Pick the camcorder up and take it with you, so it shows your listeners or future uh, people who view it mm -hmm. uh, on TV or, or on. Uh, YouTube or whatever yeah. that there was nothing there right. to make the noise and my theory is when ghosts and spirits arrive and they pass through different mediums and what I mean by medium is air which is gas yeah uh, the glass window which is uh, you know a solid yeah and then back out to the air inside the room which is a gas the electromagnetic energy is traveling so fast when it does that pass through gas solid gas it makes that sound that sounds like a plastic bag uh slapping against the window one time okay so and i think it was sunshine arriving because she knew that i was doing a paranormal session in the room and i guess she just wanted to maybe check me out and see who i was and <laughs> yeah i'm I think I did her room uh, towards the middle or middle in, uh, later in the book. Yeah. So I'm sure the other ghosts and spirits had talked about me and I had probably communicated with her in other rooms. But I think it was either the first or second session I did in uh, her room. And that's the room she passed away in. Okay. Uh, she passed away in 1956. She had cancer. Oh. So. Uh, hmm. Anyway, I think she has a special connection with that room, and it kind of made my day because uh, rarely do I get that sound against the window, uh, yeah. but when I do, I actually thought it was going to be the cat because <laughs> I, I was sitting with my back to the window, and the cat sometimes gets left out on the second floor porch, and she'll walk her way over on top of the uh, roof of the uh, porch, and try to get in uh, one of the windows. So there, the, the cat was not outside, and uh, that was not the case. Right. But uh, I was happy that uh, you know Sunshine would communicate in that way. Right. Okay. One of the, one of the other questions that you uh, provided me was, and this is a good question: Do you think the ghost, not only at Hayes' house but the others, are going to be there? forever for lack of a better word or will they move on eventually 
Well, I look at it this way. As long as the uh, owner, present owner and future owners keep the house looking the way it looked when uh, the Hayes family and the Buck family were alive, I think that they will recognize it as their house and that will keep them coming back to look after it like a guardian angel. Yeah. You know, keep them coming back to make sure that it's protected and whoever buys it uh, takes care of it and keeps it as original as possible. Okay, so then that brings up, you know, the poltergeist issue. Are you a believer in the fact that if you purchase property, a home or whatever, and you make changes, that's going to irritate them, that's going to piss them off, and they're going to start acting up? I think so, because I think that ghosts and spirits love their home, especially if they live there for a long period of time. Yeah. And Kathleen, she definitely lived there for 55 years. Right. So to her, you know, she doesn't want anyone changing it. It was good enough for her when she lived there. Right. And there's a possibility if the new owner or a new owner or present owner changes it too much, that that might cause her to lose interest in it. Yeah. And Oh, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the theories, though. I mean, if someone buys some property, they start to renovate, do whatever, weird things start to happen, and they blame it on poltergeist activity. Do you believe that? Well, I think poltergeist activity, to, from what I understand, is usually when a person is in turmoil, they're upset, they have a lot of anxiety. That depends that depends and a on a lot of what's going on is caused by that person. The person yes. projecting that anxiety onto the physical world around them. Right. That's one of the theories. That is one of the theories, absolutely. I mean with Down syndrome with, with, with children like that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, or I agree with, with you. With any with any teenager, uh, because it's oh, yeah. a very emotional time oh, yeah. uh, when people are going through uh, puberty. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, we've been called on a few that were, you know, we just bought this house, we're doing these renovations, and this weird thing started to happen, and we go check it out, and basically, there may be a few EMF fluctuations and this, that, and other. Michelle will do a cleansing, and just, for example, one in particular, not too long ago, we got a call back, and she said, thank you guys so much, because nothing's happened since you've been here. I don't know what Michelle did. I don't know I don't know how she does her things, what she does, her cleansings and all that kind of thing, but evidently that worked. So, <laughs> I well, don't know. When, when a new owner does renovations, it could be one of two things. It could be stressful for the new owner coming into a new home, trying to, uh, you know, make it their home and make right. it the way they want it and right. having enough funds to afford to do it in a timely manner. Yes. And it could be their stress it could be their stress causing it uh to happen. Right. Uh, or it could be the ghost of spirits unhappy with uh What's changes made in the home that they love and uh they might be disappointed because they thought they could manipulate the new owner to keep it the way they had it when they were alive. Right. What so one, of the, one, of the, one of the weird things, one of the weirdest things that had happened, that did happen at that place was when we got there, when Dustin was with our crew, uh, Dustin Coffee, 
um, we got there. I opened my my case. I took out my walkie-talkies. No batteries, and they started to scream. Both of the walkie-talkies started to scream with no batteries. And you it went started off. to make a screaming sound. I mean, they just started a high-pitched squeal, like a squelch. And then they turned off with no batteries. Now that was the weirdest thing I have ever seen, or for no reason. I mean, why would that happen? There was no batteries there. Right. Anyway. Well, <laughs> anyway. I, I feel it was the electromagnetic energy of a ghost or spirit. Uh, right. I don't know what it was. I don't know. But like I said, though, she's the one that called later on and said, "Thank you guys. Whatever you did, we've had no further issues. Everything's been wonderful since then." So. I guess we did something good. Let's go. All right. Okay, guys. We're about out of time. Keith Evans, author of The Hayes House, Ghost or People 2. Where can they find that out? I just wanted to say uh, people can find my book uh, any place online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, You can order it also on uh, uh, Books A Million and... um, Second and Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have said they've been able to find it on uh, line at Walmart. Very cool. Uh, so sh- check it out, and hopefully they'll read it and enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, sir, and we hope you will come back. How about that? Yes, I, I would love to come back on your show anytime right. you need me. All right, man, that sounds really good. Thank you very much, and we will talk to you again. Thank you. Millions of people are affected by the Para-X bug. I realize that it is something that will stay with me for the rest of my life and long into the afterlife as well. If you have the Para-X bug, there is hope. With a nightly visit to the Para-X website and intensive past life regression therapy, I can control it. Even with the Para-X bug, I can still lead an active life of radio show hosting, paranormal investigating, evidence checking, attending conferences, book writing, keeping up with the latest technology, and still keep my 40-hour-a-week day job. If you think that you have the Para-X bug or know someone who might, visit para-x.com. And remember, you are not alone. I am not alone. I. 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 I am not alone. The Para-X bug may cause the urge to chase shadow people, visit exotic haunted locations, adopt a pug wedgie, or spend all of your time trying to figure out the laws and principles of paranormal investigation. Listening to Para-X may increase these effects. Sudden visions of full-body apparitions or feeling the covers being pulled off you in the middle of the night by unseen hands may also be signs of exposure to the Para-X bug. The use of Para-X may be habit-forming and an overwhelming desire to provoke spirits may be a serious side effect. If these symptoms last more than four hours, you should quickly consult a trusted witch and have her cast a what-the-hell-are-you-thinking spell on you. If symptoms persist, please contact the Para-X Radio Network Homeland Security Team for further instructions. The Para-X bug may cause urges for late-night speaking with spirits and ghosts. Listening to Para-X may increase these effects. Overwhelming desire to try provoking a spirit may be a serious side effect. Those with Para-X bug effects lasting more than four hours should consult Para-X or see a professional. Sudden outbursts at the mention of orbs may be a sign of exposure to the Para-X bug. Use of Para-X may be habit-forming. Use caution when engaging in Para-X chat. 
Your source for everything paranormal. Para X. This is Rick McCollum of the Hollywood Ghost Hunters, and you're listening to The Dead Zone. Dead Zone WDZRDB Worldwide.
Hey, this is Lee. If you missed tonight's show or any other show, you can always check them out in the archives on the ParaX Radio Network, or you can go to our website and click on any of your favorite apps. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. This is the Dead Zone Paranormal Radio Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.